0: All right, Zig coming in at the top. Today on the show, we have Austin Stamba. But not all these are capable to be done as a solo interview. So with me, I have Gabriel Xavier. Hello. And uh, Austin's a mutual friend. And I, I don't really know how we should do this intro, because we both have kind of like different different introductions to him. Like, I met him working at Guitar Center. Yeah, well, what's funny about it
1: is you told me about... Um this guy who loved the clash and like plays country, and he used to be in this rock band. And then I was at a party with our friend Henry, and, um I met this guy who worked at guitar center and he said he loved the clash. And I was like, "Holy shit, you're that guy Dave was talking about." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I love Dave." <laughs> like, and so we just started talking and immediately hit it off
0: i love I love when stuff like that comes full circle, like when Cody and Jay, Met you and Henry, yeah. in your apartment or uh, on, on Friday, like um, off of uh, yeah, on Friday. But like uh, <laughs> when when these two worlds crack clash and like there are two friend groups and no you don't pun know intended. How, pun intended, pun intended, hundred percent pun intended. But you don't know how they're gonna interact, you right? Know I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's so cool. And that I remember that happened. Like, was that a
1: Christmas thing? No, it was okay. uh, Andrew Yadon from Sweepy Heads.
0: Oh. oh. Okay, okay. I don't. I think maybe it had to be after that because I remember giving Austin the sweater and with a clash pin, and he he told me he met you. He's like, "I met your friend Gabe, and I wore that clash pin," like which is a very Austin like thing to point out, right? Um, But all that being said, Austin's like this magical human, and he finds inspiration out of anything. And you can be talking with him, and he can point out two words that don't mean anything but when he says them there's suddenly they're they're highlighted and and with inspiration and like beauty whereas before they were just two words on a page and um Gabe you have a film coming out eventually yeah. not 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 on the cusp of anything right now like once you you you, you pitch it to some uh, festivals but Austin is the the star lead of the film so what uh what about Austin kind of brought out this character for you? I think it was that
1: kind of magic. Um and also uh it, it takes place over the pandemic and I was, you know, really inside myself and bored as fuck, and um I kept listening to Austin's music and it kinda of, and thinking about him as a person and that would kind of pull me out of that mundanity, and I was like already working on the script about a family during a pandemic and they were kind of going through the same things. And I was like, Oh, the Austin needs to be the character to pull them out of it. So I really wrote the part for him and I felt kind of weird about it. Like if, if he were to find out about that, like if he would be, I think it was strange that, you know, I wrote a character for him and like, you know, I've, everything is so Austin in the script and uh, he asked me, he "Was like, hey, Gabe, is uh, was this written for me?" And yeah. I was like, "Yeah." And he was like, "Oh, okay, cool." <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's how he would handle that, though. Like, that's, that's the most awesome. Austin... <laughs> someone else would be really
1: freaked out by that. Like, right? You know, oh, you know me too well, or you know, <laughs> are
0: you making fun of me? Right, right. <laughs> these bits. Um, the film's called Springfish, and um, this is the first installment. Quote unquote, right? Of the. Potentially. Potentially. All right. That's good. It's good to keep it lingering. Uh, um, keep it a mystery for now. Keep it a mystery. <laughs> I like to keep what's coming next a secret. Bomb, bomb, bom. See, if I was allowed to play with my sound effects, you know how cool that'd be? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what we're doing, November 13th at the Winchester, we have a film to sell it, a film. We have a show to celebrate the completion of Springfish, and it features all the music that's in the film are the bands that are on the bill. It's going to be Austin Stambaugh, um, Lowercase Roses, in and Sea Level. And it's coming right after the first like a uh, showing of the film for the crew, which isn't a premiere. It's just a showing of the film. And uh, this show got looped into a chain of other shows for a week-long benefit For um, my friend Amy Baker, who's a teacher I work with, Um, she had some pregnancy complications, and she had to induce labor early, and her kid's in the NICU right now. So, um, And this is for any of my friends who are listening or reoccurring or maybe who know Austin or Gabe and were part of the Dog for Diego fundraiser. This is Diego's teacher. So this is a, a lady who goes over and beyond for all her students, even while pregnant, even while everything else is melting and there's COVID and now the classroom structure is beyond um, easy, um, she's always gone over and beyond to make sure all her students got what they need and has reached out to every other teacher that would work with them and made sure they knew exactly how this kid um, ticks thinks, and where they need to go. Um, so what we're doing is a week-long concert series in person and streamed called Knitting from the Knit Cue and Amy Baker Benefit. And uh, right now there's 21 bands and, like, seven live artists, so there's more. And uh, there's going to be an announcement here with all the the acts on what days they're coming out. And, like, it it started off as just 19, so now it's, like, over 20. And um, it's happening at four different venues, Monday night at the Winchester, Tuesday at the Beachland Ballroom, Wednesday at the Coda, Thursday at the Beachland Tavern. Friday at the B-side and taking it back to this show, November 13th at the Winchester. Um, so, Gabe, I'm more than honored that you would let this be part of such crazy of a fundraiser I'm putting together. Of course. <laughs> and, and backing all my crazy ideas. And um, so that's the, that's the angle of the show. So if there's anything, if you can't make it to to the Winchester because you're lame. Um, you can check it out on any of the other days and check out another cool show. But uh, the Winchester is going to be the one to be at. And when you hear our conversation with Austin and hear how inspiring of a person he is, you're going to want to be around him as well. So All the time. All the time. <laughs> Non-stop. <laughs> I'm following him around right now. Right
1: now. I think he's going on tour too, uh, uh, this this coming weekend. So if is anyone's he? in... Asheville, I think it's November sixth. Okay. Go to Austin's Instagram.
0: Right, right. He's been posting. He's got these really cool collage flyers he makes. Um, as far as a recommendation before before listening to Austin talk, I can't I can't help but recommend his uh his spoken word album, which you recommend to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, and that's actually one of those poems are in the film. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's one of the poems in the film and then um two of his songs from uh Where She Will Go, which is probably my favorite of his recordings. Um and then a new song he hasn't released yet and then a song he recorded especially for the film.
0: And he did it on the spot. He did it right? on
1: the spot. Yeah, in the script it said uh Austin writes a song at a table and um yeah, he just did it and it's it's the best part of the film.
0: It's so cool. And, like, when you, I remember you sent me the song, and, like, then I'm like, oh, that's a, that's, a, you know, that's a cool written song. I can hear Austin writing that. And then you were like, but he wrote it while on camera. And, like, that's a yeah. whole other level. Because, like, there was an the audio cut of it, right, which is, like, afterwards.
1: Yeah, we liked it so much, and we were thinking about, like, a lot of Westerns from, you know, the 30s to 50s and how they all have these, um, these, uh, kind of themes that are usually the title of the song or title of the film um and we're like oh yeah that's like you know thunder road or something we we gotta like we gotta do that and and make a silly like
0: credit thing yeah
1: yeah with an actual recording so we recorded it in the bathroom
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah because this whole thing was shot in your dad's house yeah yeah and like
1: yeah I wasn't there for the recording of the song. we were setting up another scene, so I kind of had to trust um Kevin Shand, Kevin. our sound recorder, to uh
0: make sure that it was great <laughs> i think I think me and Cody might have might have wore Kevin out a little bit. <laughs> he thought you guys were funny i think I think we
1: bothered him <laughs> no, not at all i I think he laughed more that day than the entirety of the filming. <laughs>
0: 'cause our acting was so comedic,
1: yeah <laughs> the the bits between the acting two are great. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> that was a ton of fun, yeah. um but yeah, i that's but that's just the beauty of Austin is he can just like whip something together like that, and it's like listening to that song, like actually, can we play that song now,
1: yeah.
2: your skin so gold, swimming around your tiny little bowl, chirping your bubbles on the surface so high, and diving back down to the rocky side. You're younger than spring with your mind so free Each moment you are living for your anniversary Unaware of the shadow that you cast below I'm watching you grow older there must be something that you know Show me where to lay my head time i've been swimming just like you my world is confined to one little point of view do i really have to swim so far to ever truly know am i better off where i am am i better staying home Spring fish live all winter neath the ice and frozen snow And warm weather brings them many places near to go Is the distance I have traveled equal to the distance lost? What's the price of my wandering and is it worth the cost? Show me where to lay my head
0: it's crazy that he was able just to write that and like, cause it's, it, it, cause it has a larger narrative of like, I feel like maybe where he was at yeah. and, but he puts in context of this fish and like th- the, it fits the narrative of the film, right?
1: Yeah. There's, there's a lot of layers I to it see. that are like, like, that blew my mind. There's also little dialogue bits he improvised to, um, which kind of gives some stuff away, but yeah, he it was apparent that he was thinking about the themes of the film even when he was acting and kind of like pulling stuff out of midair and just kinda of inserting it.
0: That's Austin. Awesome. Yeah. Well with that, um, if you guys can like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast and all the podcast platforms. It helps me keep talking to cool guests like Austin and sharing those inspirations with you. Um and if you can make uh any effort, even if it's just sharing the live streams that happen during the knitting for the Knit Cue benefit, um, it's going to go a long way. Um, I forgot the before. I forgot uh, also what we're doing is we're collecting knitted goods. So we're collecting knitted, uh, knitted and um, crocheted, um, mostly crocheted, because Amy, Amy made a crochet pattern for these things called hope hearts. And what a hope heart is, there's two of them. And for parents at the NICU, one stays with the baby and one goes with the parent. So, especially during times like now where COVID and you can't always be in the hospital, you can always have a piece of uh, your loved one with you and they can always have one with you mm. them. Um, so, this benefit, 90% of it's going to help Amy and her cause or her cost, and like 10% is going to make hope hearts to leave at the NICUs around Cleveland. We're also collecting. Um, uh, crocheted and knitted hats and bootsies and blankets for babies in the NICU. Um, so if you guys know anyone who knits, or if you can just even share some of the this podcast or or some of the streams that happen, and they'll be happening from all the artists and everything is linked below. Austin's info is linked below. Um, it's gonna go a long way, and we're gonna help a family out. So that'd be great. And with uh, further ado, Austin. Stamball. What are you? What are you doing? What's the work?
3: Um, what am I doing? Yeah, um, I, I have to work at Ernest Tubb Record Shop.
0: That's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, I gotta work at eight. I will. I, I have to work until eight, and then I have to buzz over to Betty's Bar on the west side and uh, play in a little show at this dive bar. This kind of local staple place, and it'll be cool.
0: All right, that's cool. Was it uh it's interesting, I kinda I think that's a good place to start is like we met when you started working at Guitar Center with yeah. a, and like a, I find it interesting that, that that's like a record store sounds like a cooler version of it. Like, is it?
3: Um yeah, it is it is it is, honestly. It's like a retail thing, but it's also um you know, there's no like sales, you don't have to make sales or anything and uh where where I work too it almost feels like I'm it's like a community help. I just feel like I'm there. Like I, I just it feels like good good work, you know, it's a historic place and I feel happy to even be in there, you know.
0: That's awesome. It's kinda of, cause you know, I, I wanted Guitar Center to be that. Yeah. And like I think the beauty of it was like meeting you and meeting other friends like Dan McGann and like yeah, uh, you know, some of the other guys that stuck around, but it really it really felt like it kind of was trying to not be as communal. You know what I mean? Like all these guys played music, but we never played together when we worked at Guitar Center. Right. Yeah.
3: And that's also funny cuz like all your coworkers are super into metal, you know. <laughs>
0: right. Well,
3: I like metal too, but you know. I'm...
0: Yeah, you you're fascinating, Austin, because you like everything. Like, Hell yeah. Um, like I know now, it's the music you do is a little more like Americana and and country and folk and like songwriting um, headed. But like yeah. uh, before, I feel like uh, with a band like the Shawns yeah. Uh, can you uh, open up the story of of the Shawns? Yeah,
3: yeah. Thanks for asking me about it. Um,
0: first of all, I don't
3: know if uh, you know there's any grooves that we got to put words in, but I'll say Dan McGann deserves to be in a groove for sure. Definitely. He is a staple, uh, one of my greatest friends, and everyone should know him, and uh, he works at the Oberlin Apollo right now as the GM, so you should oh, go there, nice. go there uh, swing by, and see, see a movie on him, uh, but I don't know I probably shouldn't say that, but um, <laughs> so, yeah, the, uh, the Shons, um yeah, it was a high school band, I was uh, 15 years old, and I just really wanted to play my iPhone last fall, as fast and as hard as I could. And uh it went through various incarnations. Like we did a little EP with like Antia, or then that turned into the analog arcade. It was out, out on Superior. And then I think that it closed down and Jim Stewart uh produced and like uh, recorded all that stuff and then you know and we all got girlfriends and then we tried to get back together with our buddy Ty Place who was a who was a drummer in a hardcore band so we had like a hardcore drummer and like our second album would have been dark as hell but um we unfortunately only have basement recordings of the second album and uh no words really i just was singing about whatever you know just making it up going with it and uh yeah so that was about the shawns and uh so far my dad to this day thinks that that's the greatest music that i
0: ever made (laughs) That's a well. Your dad's a guitar guy, right? He is, yeah. Real deal, dude. Marshall he Stack, is.
3: Les Paul, Marshall Stack. Yeah, my uh, my my uh, dad's friend Dave used to always say that. And I heard a little story about it. And it's funny because like it's like rippling effect because everyone that I know like seems to pick seems to pick it up. They'd be like, man, you know, like they say something's badass. They're like, man, it was Les Paul, and Marshall Stack. Yeah, man, that was fucking stuff. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. i it's it, I think that's it's such a it's such a simple but you know that's cool you know what i mean les paul and marshall that's an easy way to like kind of i, I think that's a cool tagline my dude uh, yeah in
1: the realm of like uh kind of what we were saying of being into everything um i wanted to talk to you about when we first met at that party um and i remember we started talking about the clash and somehow we got into talking about like magic mushrooms and Chelsea yeah. Boots and Towns Van Zant and like we were only hanging out a couple hours but we like talked about everything so there's this kind of like and I mean this in a positive way but like a dilettantism of just kind of like being open to everything and I don't know do you, does that affect your songwriting this kind of like openness to everything if you yeah. want to talk about that
3: Yeah it 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 does um I wouldn't say I have a clear map on what you know affects or what is uh pushing my song songwriting or, or something, but a lot of it is just, like, a headspace. Like, uh, for instance, like, I just got this Reader's Digest book from my friend. It's, it's about, like, the ancient Aztecs, and he, like, gave it to me because he knows that I make collage art, and uh, it's been a little while since I've done anything like that, but, um, I, so basically, I was, like, I had to, like, use the bathroom yesterday whenever I got home, and I almost did the old refrain of, oh, man, where's my phone? And I was just gonna, you know, go to the bathroom like, be on my phone, and then, uh, like it, like everyone does, you know, but then I was like, you know what, it's one thirty in the morning, I, you know, it's all good. So I just, like, went in the bathroom with this Reader's Digest, like, coffee table book about the Aztecs. And then I was reading this paragraph about um, this ancient civilization um, that it was, like, they, a, a lot of people are trying to figure out how they ate food because there's no real, uh, I don't know, like, the way things were, like, buried in the ground, like, it didn't have, like, archaeologists were like, oh, they must have just eaten fish, you know, because it was, like, by the ocean and then, or, you know, by the, by the lake or whatever. And then uh, the other historian guy was like, no, they didn't eat that, they ate this. And then just thinking about that was, like, kind of interesting because I would have never, ever thought about that in my life. And it kind of, like, you know, I guess it kind of paved the way for, like, a form like a kind of a form of writing you know you're like wow like where did it come from well oh, we think this and then that's almost more inspiring than trying to you know listen to a king crimson album with all your lights off in your room or something like that you know it's like just as yeah. inspiring
1: you know you have that lyric where you say i think it's like the 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 more i know the uh or the less i know the, the less the, i weigh or, yeah
3: the, the less i know the lighter i am yeah 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 but then but then i still wonder
2: why you know (laughs) yeah right (laughs) well
0: that's beautiful to find like kind of like inspiration what you don't think would that's like pure inspiration you know i mean like it makes sense that if you're trying to figure out some guitar stuff or some song structure that you would pull apart a prog rock band you're looking for answers you're preaching to the choir or you're looking for uh the right response from the right people but when you find it from another source like a Reader's digest at one thirty in the morning on the toilet, you know, like yeah. about an ancient civilization that that transcends um, more so than just like um, trying to find your answer when you Google for it. Um, yeah, and I, like, what, so kind of what got you into that form of like seeking in that way? Because like if we go back to the Sean's and the guitar really driven. And like that's about when I met you a little. I met you I think in an in between phase, Austin. Like when you finished that, you're just wrapping up high school and trying to find yourself a little bit more. Like, yeah. um, at least that's what I I, I gleaned from uh, my, my guitar center counter. That, <laughs> and is, like,
3: that is correct. Like, yes. Yeah.
0: Talking about like poetry and stuff. When did like songwriting become more so of a, a focus than shredding?
3: um well yeah that's a a good uh, question too um i guess um well i got really into folk music um when i was like at the when i was a senior junior in high school like i got really into the band old crow medicine show and then for like a year i almost didn't even play the guitar i just tried to learn the fiddle And then this would just carry around a fiddle with me everywhere. I didn't really even bring my guitar. I mean, I I still play guitar, but um, I guess I just started, you know, learning other instruments. And uh, then, um, yeah, I guess uh, the thing that has always really uh, set me uh, in like a weird, I don't know, I think think words are very romantic to me and uh, the fact that I don't, Possess, you know, the words that can set my my soul free necessarily, but I like to sing. I like to sing, and uh, singing is definitely probably my favorite thing to do, I would say. And uh, I don't know. I guess uh, how that all panned out and what I ended up doing, though, was I was really lucky because I grew up in a Baptist church family. And I grew up hearing all these old hymns and it was just a bunch of people singing together these old iconic hymns like the old rugged cross and like all the people around you like they weren't singers they weren't like singing, you know, well or on key but they were like singing like they really meant it and it like and it just fills you with this feeling, you know, and uh, so, uh, yeah, I guess I can also I can always trace it back to I think someone asked me what my favorite song was yesterday. Um, when I was 15 I got Bob Dylan's Blonde on Blonde my dad got it at like a garage sale and we had this record player and I was like starting to get into collecting records so he just bought like a big stack of records home that he got like for free or for whatever you know and uh, Blonde on Blonde was in there and um, I just remember hearing Sad At Lady of the Lowlands for the first time and uh, being in love with this girl in high school and it just like filled me with this like feeling that just makes me want to cry you know and so throughout various stages of my life I've been I've I've had mentors like my old like I went to college I like went to community college and worked jobs and that was when that was when you met me Dave's when I was going to community college and working a job and um I uh my old poetry professor Bruce Wagle really Mm -hmm. blew my mind on what writing is and what it's for and stuff like that but he also you know, left it free for one's character to, you know, kind of fit into. And uh, I just got turned on to a lot of great stuff. But then I asked Bruce one time, because Bruce always told me to ask all the novice questions to all your heroes. And I have, like, asked, like, like I've asked James McMurtry, like, how do you, how do you be a great songwriter, you know? And, uh, but I asked the same question to Bruce one time. I was like, Bruce, how do you write great poetry? And then he looked at me and then he, like motion with his finger in like a circle, like his, his like arm was like extended and his finger was pointed, and he like he like moved his whole arm in a circle, and he said, and he said the ragman draws circles up and down the block, and like I I knew what that was from that was uh, second side of Mobile with the Memphis Blues again, but like he didn't know that I knew that, and mm-hmm. he said that, and then so it's funny like blonde on blonde has like kind of followed me like throughout my uh, growth. In development into just a person. I'm just, you know, trying to be a good person and work and stuff like that. And, uh, got a lot of plans, but I ain't really worried about them, you know. It's just like, it's going to happen when it happens. I guess, you know, 20 years from now, I have a cool family, a good wife, and some good kids, and help everybody out I know. And that's pretty much what I want to do with my life, you know.
0: That's beautiful. Um, that it's really fascinating that Blonde and Blonde keeps, like, kind of, uh, Peering out and like this like kind of thing of like something that inspired you and dylan mm-hmm. dylan's deep you know i mean dylan like one of his records can be your life you know and it's yeah. interesting that blonde on blonde's kind of been that for you um so when you asked that songwriter how he writes what did he give you like a, i'm kind of curious just to dive into that for a second did he say something is profound
3: yeah, well, it was funny. I asked James McMurtry. He's, like, a Texas songwriter and, like, has a tour with Tom's Van aunt, and, like, he's like has a lot of accolades and listen to his stuff and stuff, but I, uh, I used to work at the music box, and uh, I guess uh, another thing on, like, the journey into what it is I'm trying to do is one, one time my aunt told me, uh, you should always work where you want to hang out. So then yeah. that kind of led me to working at Guitar Center. And then that, but I also worked a bunch of other jobs, working at a factory for a little bit of the duct tape factory on Avon. Um, and uh, I, I was working at the Music Box, this place on the West Bank of the Flats. And uh, James, like all these people would just come in and tour. And it's funny because people that i met in that period of my life, I still see. And I like, so it's just funny, like the friends that you make. But anyway, James McMurtry, I asked him, I was like, James, how do you write? Good song. No, I no, I said, Do you have any advice for young songwriters? And he said he like looked at me and he's like kind of a man of few words. He's like, quit if you can and pay your and pay your taxes. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. Can you can you talk a little bit about uh towns and maybe tell the story about that jacket?
3: Oh wow, Yes. Yeah, cool. That is cool that I have, that I have told that to you. Yeah, so basically, um, when I was I was working, I was going to community college. I was working in libraries. Um, I actually worked at Oberlin Library and the uh, LC um, main main campus library at the same time, and then was going to school. Um, so I, a friend of mine, Kate Kuzer, like year, like a year or two before I would actually get into Towns, I might have been like eighteen, and Kate Kuzer was like, "You should listen to and in." and uh so then i uh got his self-titled album his his third one then i got live at the old quarter on cd and i like drove to west virginia and just listened to it and it just like put me in this spell and like i always feel a weird kindredness with towns i don't know if we're both born in march or if we're like um but he really you know spoke to me in ways like you know, and you all know exactly how I feel. I think the spirit of Towns is very accessible and he's all around us. He doesn't want us to throw away our lives. But basically, I uh, my style kind of changed in that way because I had grown up listening to old hymns and old folk music like the Marshall family. And then that was where I was from. And then I kind of took all of my folk and all my love of words And I loved Towns, and I just kind of, I was listening to his songs, but meanwhile, like, while I was listening, I was also kind of changing the way that I played the guitar, you know? And uh, so then, I don't know, fast forward a few years, I finally moved to Nashville, and then I would become very close friends with his daughter, Katie Bell, um, Chris Fontaine and Katie Bell Van Zandt, Two wonderful friends, and we've been through a lot together. And uh, so, basically, I uh, I would go over to their house, and it's the house um, that was in the Heartland Highways um, documentary film. That because uh, it was Guy Clark's house for a lot of years, and Guy hmm. gave the house to Towns whenever um, in like the late '80s. He gave it probably like '86 or something and uh that old old friends tour that they did it's kind of infamous uh towns would always go on stage and tell guy be like yeah well, well you, they would like just tell jokes all night and then guy would be like yeah well towns wants to die in my house <laughs> and so then but then that actually did happen i mean it's the place that towns passed away in and um it's a very sacred place. I almost, you know, feel weird talking about it just because it's so, like, kind of under the rug. You know, it's just things that... But I guess it's good information, but I basically, uh... I kind of became, like, a part of that house, and I, like, fell in love in that house, and, like, I thought, like, Towns wanted me to, like, marry this girl, and I wanted, like... It's just... I've been living this whole crazy life, but then I, uh... Also, um... Yeah, and then one day, Katie Bell just... She, uh just saw she was just like i want you to have this and uh she gave me this jacket it's a brown suede sport coat kind of a dress dress jacket and uh it was towns's and uh the story of the jacket is towns bought it for his wife so he bought it for katie bell's mom uh janine and uh but towns wore it more than she did hmm. so it's a it's a women's coat it's a, a banana republic coat but i have it in my closet. It's my most prized possession. It's a thing that towns wore a lot, you know? And, uh, so I almost feel like I, uh, sometimes I'll get on a weird ego trip and I'll, it'll make me feel better to know that I have like a little pillar of my influence, you know, going with me. And, uh, I'm just really surrounded by all these people that I should be right now. And, uh, yeah, so that's the story of Coke, and I still have it. And I don't wear it a lot; I wear it like very, very sparingly. I, I, I might get it dry cleaned here soon, and like put it in like a little sealed bag or something, you know, so I can have it for like the rest of my life. So
0: yeah, totally. That's that's be it one one that's fascinating just to kind of interact with like the ancestridge of someone you're moved by. Yeah, I mean, but to to take it to the level that you have a friendship with them and have been through things with them. Yeah. Like, you know, and like, cause you've been through things and, and the music's been there for you. So to mm-hmm. kind of be able to interact with that, like, and I know knowing you Austin, like I know how like open and honest and pure you are with how you just, how you are and like how you share art. So mm-hmm. I, I'd be interested to like, do you guys make music with like, are you sharing music with, uh, uh, you know what I mean? Like,
2: yeah, because
0: like, um, I I know when we talk, like you always we always like are sharing stuff, and you'll you'll just jump into a song you're working on, which yeah. it's like a, I I I always like it's one of the best things because that's a, the most awesome thing to be like you will just start singing a song you're working on, and I find that so uh, it's such a pure intent, like um so with uh like when you're that close to someone who's moved you, like are you guys working on stuff like that? Are you sharing music? Well.
3: Yeah, um, basically, um, yeah, and uh, it's, well, Katie Bell doesn't, Katie Bell plays the spooks, and she's oh, that's very awesome. Yeah, she's very musical and very brilliant and very, um, very, very wonderful. And Chris, her long-term boyfriend, they've been dating for like eight years, and I used to work construction with Chris, and so it's, it's like, yeah, we're just like, everyone's just in this whole knit thing, and it's a yeah. beautiful thing. But um, as far as, like, the music of the music influence of those experiences, um, I have been in the position where something has kind of flew into my head when I was there, and it's I just feel like I have a lot of great ideas, and they're, they're, they're still very underdeveloped, though. Like, mm. uh, I have this song, like, Let's Be Brothers Here that I haven't Finished yet that flew into my head when I was sitting on the porch. And then uh, this other one called Every Dollar is a Vote that I haven't uh, quite, you know, but I have a few lines. It's like a, a suit and tie costs money and publicity is funny, so let's feed it back into itself. We're backed into a corner of choices and we have to consume control. We have to throw from where we stand. So next time that money leaves your hand, think every dollar is a vote. That's, like, the only,
0: but you yeah. know. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so, like, kind of, like, diving into, like, because I know you figured out a lot of guitar by mm-hmm. by just following the record. Um, with, like, studying writing, like, and, and songwriting, like, because, like, I, I, Gabe told me the story of you writing that song on set for the film, which we're, yeah. uh, like, uh, so, like, how often are, like, do you write every day? Are you writing all the time? Because my perception of even you at Guitar Center is like, you're like writing as you're walking. Like, I feel like, but that's my perception. What is, like, do you have a routine that you do? Do you just take everything as the moment as it comes? Because, like, I feel like I just, how you, even now, how you read that, I can hear the structure. There's alliteration in it, there's a form. I feel like, the, like, and I, I'm sure you don't think of it all like that, like it's just coming mm-hmm. to you. And um and most anyone who's analyzing anything is analyzing it, which is what I'm doing while trying to ask a question at the same time. But yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, like let me try to rephrase that to my question. So do you do you have a routine? Are you working on songwriting all the time or are you just trying to be in this void of always being influenced?
3: Um Yes. It's more of the void of always being influenced Um, in the past. And actually up until very recently, I've, I've struggled with um, the pressure of time and I've always felt like I need to be more disciplined in my writing and I need to do it every day. You know, I need to like sit down and do that. But then it really does like take a damage on like, on like my soul or like I have like, notebooks from those years ago and even notebooks now like one of my guitar case just filled with things but i don't really feel like i'll ever use them i feel like i just wrote a bunch of skin or something you know and uh but you know that's also cool because i can give that notebook to somebody and maybe they'll we'll do a co-write or something i haven't done a lot of co-writes but a few um but um yeah, I don't I try not to worry about it so much. I don't think it's my job. I think that my job is just to live and to have a clear conscience. Hmm. And uh so then I don't really worry about it anymore. I feel like a lot of it is just me being in my mid 20s now that um you know, it's just uh I'll I'll have a song and then whenever it comes time to record that is when the lyrics are done, you know? That's when I'll sit and think about the lyrics and I'll be like, all right, let's edit these things and I'll make it how I feel is right, you know? Right. And uh, so up until, I really don't worry about it at all until it comes to that time, you know? And that, that, that time is only like two days like or something, like, you know, before I record, you know, or shoot two hours or whatever, you know? But, um, yeah, so it's kind of like, like the Christians worry about if they're saved or not, you know, I just, you just come to a point where you just are like, you know what, I ain't worrying about this. Like I've done cried enough about it, but, um, writing is fun. Writing is almost like Zen. It's just a thing that you never know. Like I, I will never know how to write a song. And, but I know that in my pursuit of such, you know, of such, um, feelings like this, or, um, in the pursuit of this feeling or this journey or this expression that I need to do, I'm surrounded by all of these wonderful peers and people that really give shit about you and you give shit about them. And it's really, really cool. You know,
0: definitely, definitely community is so important to nurture that, you know, and like, I find it, I find it, uh, not like I, I, I've talked with a bunch of songwriters and like, it seems like the final draft is when the song's actually done for a lot of people, which is, it's inspiring maybe it's a musician thing maybe it's an artist thing that wait till you have to turn it in you know but also like i guess in in the case of being influenced by something that having until that last minute that have your mind like expanded on something to put it on the wax you know and at least you have that that time to do it so but i uh, i find like the community and the appreciation for it is so important and um And that that really nurtures where your artistic expression goes. And, like, um, being that, you know, you kind of have your roots here, and uh, I definitely know that um, we have a badass community of people and creatives who are doing stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Gabe, I feel like I cut cut off your question.
1: Oh, yeah. I was going to – well, I had a question, and then, Austin, you started talking about – being saved in the christian sense so i I have a different question um so you have that beautiful poem in the uh in your your kind of spoken word album about um the the guy on the greyhound bus who gives you that pamphlet um with christ on it and uh it says heathen homosexual all these things and then he also gives you peanut butter crackers and you're allergic to peanuts so you kind of equate these two things of like Oh, I'm deathly allergic to this thing, and he's also giving me this propaganda. And I think that duality of of faith, of being profound and also torturing is so present in yeah. all your songs. I don't know if you are able to talk about that a little. And like Yeah, totally.
3: Um, you know, it's like, a, I guess, you know, uh, I don't feel tortured at all, really. It's just I feel uh, like lately I've been having a renewed, faith in the story of my life not like i want to do great things but it it, it kind of puts a time sensitiveness on like how you're feeling now you know if you just like think about like the story of your life and where it where it will go you know but um yeah you know i i just you know i am who i am but i also have you know i am where i'm from and so i just that story that happened to me about being on the greyhound i thought it was very ironic and i thought it was uh very uh there was a sweetness to it because you're you know the the man is giving you something this like propaganda and then this thing that will kill you but then also you know you as the receiver are funneling that back into and you're giving those crackers away to someone who was hungry you know so it's like you didn't You know, like it wasn't for you, but it also wasn't for you to really understand. But it was for you to uh, to make the best out of this, and also like leave relatively leave unscathed. You know, and I felt like that was why I named it Salvation of Me because that's like my that's how I understand my salvation is like I don't know the answers, I don't know anything about it, but I know that I will listen and I will, you know, give, um, what I can. And so I felt like that was kind of like a little cop out of like the whole narrative that the, uh, Christian, you know, community and stuff like that. And it was very, very, very real that actually happened. You know, it was interesting. Right.
1: Um, yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was, uh, like your stage presence. Um, so you're coming from, you know, the Shawns, this rock and roll band and then, uh, I've always been really impressed, um, how much movement you can do, you know, standing still in front of, well, not standing still, but standing in front of, of a microphone with an acoustic guitar, you kind of do this, like, this stepping thing, I, I can't really explain it, um,
4: that Jagger swagger, it,
1: yeah, that Jagger kind of thing, yeah. where did that come from?
4: That came from
3: the, uh, well, learning how to dance, um, not like you really know how to dance, but, uh, so I, a lot of people taught me how to dance. I just kind of just learned as I went. And then somebody told me, oh, yeah, don't forget to smile. And then I was like, whoa. And I, like, realized, like, I was, as, as I was trying to two-step, I was, try, I was, like, too focused on, like, the rigidity of it. I just started to smile. And then, like, I just, like, unlocked this whole key in, like, my whole brain. I was like, whoa. And, like, I started smiling. And then, like, before you know it, like, all these other people want to dance, too, because they see you smiling, like, making a goof out of yourself, you know? And then it's just like, that's what it's all about, you know? and uh so um with playing the guitar i i played with Corey grinder when he, when he goes on tour and uh i kind of was like all right like i want to dance and have that whole lesson of smiling and dancing or this thing but i also want to like do that with like my hands you know so like i want to not really think about where i'm going i just want to like dance with my hands so i guess uh i don't know how i move i just kind of i just like to kind of sh- do this kind of shuffle thing and it feels good it feels like you're on a wheel
0: you know that's beautiful i uh, like i remember uh, yeah. i remember at the mic night talking about jagger moves um you, you know it's it's interesting because like uh, wooten has a has a bit about jazz guys not smiling kind of like ripping their lead and like taking their bars and then just kind of walking off and kind of being like mysterious because we kind of like put that from miles davis or something you know mm-hmm. like um but that openness and that like our brains when we see someone smiling there's like mirror neurons that are firing that want us to do it back and we see that really profoundly with like uh, infants when you smile at a baby unless you're scary looking it smiles back <laughs> or even if you are scary yeah. looking most of the times the baby will smile back um and by putting that in you i find it really profound that you're putting that with your hands too that's i've never thought yeah. of it like that That's really cool um yeah
3: yeah it's pretty cool i like to think of it that way like uh also i don't know i'm just like learning a lot about um because down here it's like people only know me as like a songwriter they don't really like know me as like a like an electric guitar player or something but um Although, like I, like, I have played some gigs here in town on, on electric, and I've, like, tried to do, like, the whole sideman thing, but it's just not really, like, it, it doesn't satisfy me in a way, but I also, like, a lot of people have, like, talked to me, they're like, you know, we really like those stories that you do, and, uh, so, I don't know, I feel like it's just communicating with an audience, and, uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's funny when you're being so serious, but then you're actually like not being serious at all that you are, but you're just being like humor. You just have like a natural humor, you know, and it has to emit because people want to know like who you are. They don't really like, I mean, they, they want to know who you are. and They want to hear like some of your songs that are like catchy and like, you know, lyrics are mean something, but it's like, like tonight I have to go play at Betty's Bar and Grill, which is this, like super red pill bar. And uh, I'm just going to go there and like, it's gonna be a good time, man. I might do some like I might try my try try some new songs. Like do like a Merle, like like Travis picking a little bit and just kind of add a little edge to it. And it'll seem in with like stories that I'll tell. I don't know. I'm just gonna go go have a good time. Make sure I'm having a good time and everyone's having a good time. I'm gonna drink like one beer. It's, it's gonna be really cool, man.
0: Well, is it that? I mean, like that's that's what people are there to do, and it's you know reading in a rooms really hard and like uh delivering kind of like a monologue. Now, when you do some of the, uh the pieces that you've recorded, like uh, um do you back it up musically or are you like uh or are you just kind of going at it reading these poems, you know? Um does that I I'm phrasing that question wrong. Like uh when you're doing a set like you're doing tonight at a bar, like yeah. to do some of those monologues you have. Like I think one that's really prof- uh, effective as far as communicating with an audience do you go about backing yourself with your guitar or do you just cut that and deliver it?
3: I go about backing the guitar for sure. Okay, uh, okay, I I haven't memorized all the way that it was recorded or how I wrote it down, you know. Right. So I just kinda like just get into a little channel of of a guitar, you know, music or it's it's usually Usually whenever I, like, talk, it's a very circular pattern that I'll play. I'll play something that's just, like, repetitive and, like, doesn't really resolve and just Mm -hmm. play it over and over again. And that'll allow me the space or the acuteness of mind, uh, or as uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne would say, the native sagacity, um, to just kind of go in and, like, reimagine these stories and, you know, add, add, add little bits to it or I'll, you know, jump one section or... It's just, yeah, so it's, it's very uh very much a musical thing,
0: yeah. Because, like, that record's beautiful. And mm-hmm. um, how you how the music's delivered on the record fits the narrative so well. And, like, I think, de- especially in a bar, like, the music's what's being heard. So if you start mm-hmm. talking over it, I feel like people are going to, like, our brains already adapt to the form of the music. And whatever you say on it, I think it's going to be louder than if you did it without it. Like, um... Being the you you've been to a few of my mic nights, you know like if some once the poet get the poet gets up and if the poet's unaccompanied, like unless if it's the audience that isn't there to seek it, it doesn't get as heard. So that's why I was wondering if you uh, if you backed yourself with that and like to kind of dive into it when you wrote the music on that record. Did you have Mm -hmm. the music kind of like already composed and then put the the poems and like the stories on top of it, or did you do the opposite because? Yeah. i think the the music really matches the narrative on so many of those really like especially like the tonality even follows it so like it i don't even know how you would go about recording something like that so it's a the old question was it the lyrics the or the the music first in this case but for actually recording it which one like what was the approach to that
3: yeah um
0: when i did that record
3: i uh went to Asheville North Carolina and I stayed at my buddy Mark McElhenney's house um and he's a he's a great pal and plays bass in Jesse and the Jinx in town and we're gonna me and my buddy Ivan are actually gonna go go stay with them next weekend but I just like went there for a week and I was like I'm gonna write a record from scratch and then like the first two days of me being there was like me trying to write these new songs and they are almost stylized in that way. But then I was also like reading this book of short stories by Lucia Berlin called a manual for cleaning women. And cause Mark's like super into like literature and he writes short stories too. And then I kind of realized like, man, like I have all these stories that I've written that, you know, are kind of like that, that I should probably do something with. So then I got the idea to do a short story record. And uh, the, the, the words were all written out on the page. And I spent most of my time um, just compiling and, like, editing the stories. And then, uh, like, the last, like, two days, I just, like, went in and just, like, did it all live. And I just kind of just... You know, little bits and pieces that I love about the guitar, like the weird intervals. Like, I don't know, like, the theory behind the intervals, but I love just, like, the color you can get in a lot of chords. And I just, uh, I just, uh, yeah, I just did the music to whatever would fit the story. And that's, that was how that happened. And it, 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 it was all
0: live. It was really cool. That's amazing because it fits so well. And, like, uh, uh that, um, so kind of like, it's, I find it interesting that you're, like, like when you put a limit on yourself, right? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna write this in this amount of time and like it's the weird random sparks that change the track of the train. Like, you know what I mean? Like you were going in there to write songs and you came out writing this beautiful spoken word record. Um like and it's hard it's hard to like get that notion and follow it. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of times we get caught up in like I said I'm gonna write a record, I'm gonna write a record. You know what I mean? Like and I think yeah. it takes a, it, it's like a- Sorry. Yeah, it's like it's different
3: because like I'm super limited and everyone is by like trying to be a singer or songwriter, you know, and I just kind of wanted to just do something that was just totally art. It was just art. I just wanted to make art and that's what I did and it was really cool. It's like my favorite thing that I've uh, done so far and yeah. It's probably different. do a probably do a, another one but maybe I'll try to multi track it. I don't know. I'm still kind of getting the stories rolling. I have a I have a few stories, but, you know, they all they all come in time, and they all come after they happen, you know? It's like like you're thinking back, like, like a year ago, or two years ago, or even three years ago, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah.
0: Well, it's beautiful, because then it's bringing them back up. Um, can I pitch a title? Can it be called Still Talking?
3: Still Talking would be awesome. <laughs> I like but, uh, that.
0: But where I was going to go is, like, it's a, it's beautiful that you put in the sense of, like, art, right? Like... Mm -hmm. um in trying to break those limits like because we're kind of here pushing this uh this film that like you were part of and like so to kind of jump jump ship into like what was acting like for you and uh Gabe I'll let you uh maybe lead more questions in like in in that room since you shot the film but like was it a big jump like was it uncomfortable is it like performing like well you know
3: I guess uh the only, uh, you know, it's, I, I guess I don't really know how to act or anything. I just kind of try to make it my own in ways. And Gabe was really cool with like, letting me do that. Like a lot of things that I did, like were just kind of little extra things to add a little natural feel to them, you know? Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Whenever I was up there acting for that, I, I was in a, I was in a really good, good place in my life. And, uh, I was trying to like juggle a lot and I was in this like in this long-term relationship and it was a, it was a beautiful time in my life and uh I think it was really easy. I mean, whether I whether or not I did a good or a bad job, I mean, it's up to whoever's watching, but I felt very good about it and it was very exciting for me. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, you did great. Um did you know did you find any like so much of acting is rhythm? Um, and being a musician did, did that kind of like was there a connection to you did you feel like it was musical at times
3: yeah I felt um I don't know I felt like it was maybe maybe it was less 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 musical and it was more just kind of free verse kind of it was like a free verse kind of dream you know it was just uh yeah I mean thinking about it as musical i would love to go back and to reimagine it and like get into the music of acting like that'd be really cool yeah. and i love that and it seems like you know it's all musical but it's like has its own rhythm that's not really you know like a like a time signature you know
1: yeah yeah you're kind of bouncing off someone else yeah the call and response
3: mm-hmm.
0: be interesting to like what a time signature of a film is, or even the kind of like look at films like that. Uh, like, cause it definitely, it's, it's interesting. Like with music theory or just like theory in general for any type of creative outlet, we put like these like explanations for why we feel things, you know what I mean? Yeah. And even just written music, like in a way, having a, a sheet of music that's just written, right? There's exactly how I feel. And then you can know exactly how to replicate how I feel but even like when you when you do that like i don't really know how beethoven felt but i made the sounds he wanted you know what i mean like even when the human experience even when we have an exact transcription of how something feels it can still be a mystery absolutely
3: yeah it's it is tough I and mean, a lot of my things that i don't like to do is sing old songs i don't like that you know so a lot of times i guess here in town i just said like if i go and play like a writer's round or something i'm always trying to do new songs and they might be like unfinished still you know but um there is an art to that and it's like you have to like respect yourself in where you were and you have to uh you know like those same words that you were singing when you were 24 or 23 you know are very real and although you don't feel like they're real to you now like you you know, you should practice getting into your old frame of mind and like really, you know, have a lot of that kind of almost like a self forgiveness or a self, uh, it just all makes it, it, it makes the scope of how you think about yourself a more whole and a more round, like spherical thing, you know?
1: I want to jump to the uh, Magnolia sessions for a minute. Cause I've been listening to that a lot and it's so beautiful. And I love how, how like rough it is, um, the the recording quality but in a beautiful way compared to um where she will go um yeah and i I love how so many of the titles and the lyrics are like almost zen buddhist aphorisms um yeah can you talk about that a little like where where some of the inspiration came from or if you were
3: yeah uh, i feel like uh I feel like my live album and then the Magnolia session would have been all the content that I would have like super honed for like a studio album, you know. And it would have been like a really good studio album. Maybe I should like re-record those songs and just do a studio album of those songs, you know? Because a lot of t- like since from now until then, from then until now, a lot of the words have kind of changed in what I would like to say, but yeah the magnolia session was a good opportunity it was a thing that was a community that um i just did the best i could and i wrote i just tried to put all new songs on it and uh i did and it was it was really cool it's it's a thing i really love and um a lot of the inspiration for a lot of those songs were um yeah, it just came from just living, and uh, I, when I first moved to Nashville, I, I went to the library, and I got this book called The Fugitive Poets, and in Nashville, there was a big school of thought. There used to be a, like, a, like a journal, a, a creative writing journal called The Fugitive in like the 1920s and 30s, and um, The Fugitive Poets were very much like, um, they wanted, you know, things to be of a verse, they wanted it to be like things to rhyme. And then there was the imagist poets that were more, they were like the Ezra Pound school where it's like everything's free verse, nothing rhymes. You know, rhyme is holding us back from what we're trying to do, you know. And then, uh, so I read this book or this uh, story called, called The Ballad of Billy Potts. And it, um, had it had that line, it was talking about an old civil war. Kid that died when he was sixteen, and like they're just kind of looking over his grave, and they're singing this this ballad for his life, and it's like, oh, you know, poor poor Billy Potts, you know, that uh that blemish beside your heart that was nothing but your name and every bit of your luck, you know. It's like how you died, you know. And so I thought about that song, every bit of your luck, as like a work of that inspiration from that poem, and so I just kind of turned it into a song about like the general in uh, universal guilt that we feel and like you know it's just really where we come from it's a it's a nurture thing you know
0: do you find yourself on either more i shouldn't say either one or other i'm not trying to make you plant a flag do you find a um maybe more of the like imagery poetry like appeals to you or are you more kind of into the the metered kind of verse rhyme or are you kind of a blend of both blend of both.
3: I like it all. Yeah. I like I like things to be strange and weird and I also, you know, like I really love the craft of songwriting with like a lot of people that I know here that I think as a mentor, you know, like uh, Noel McKay, um, he used to write with Guy Clark and everything is very, you know, it's almost like he's making a canoe or something. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot that I want to do. I would love to just do some crazy Record where it's just like electric guitar and like drums, like light drums and bass, and just like riff and just freaking shout and call it like nothing's broad diamonds. or like something crazy, or like you know, or like waiting, you know. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, I don't really know
0: which way I'm gonna go, but I also, I just, I just,
3: I just love it all, man. I'm just ha- happy to be living.
0: That's well, clearly, my friend. Like, um, if like one to kind of speak, you should do the all of it. Uh, don't limit yourself to anything. Those songs definitely are deserving of a full band version, like. Yeah. And I would love some more rocking shredding stuff from you because I know you got that. And like, that's that's one thing that always blew my mind hanging at Guitar Center. You'd come over and you'd share this verse or like I'd be reading a Saul Williams book and you'd point out a line. You're like, oh, that's that's fascinating. And then like, then you'd come by shredding some stuff <laughs> or you'd be doing some like Travis picking or um. What's the guy? Chet, uh, Chet, Chet Atkins stuff.
4: Yeah.
0: I, especially, I remember around Christmas. I remember you were rocking like some Christmas. Uh, I can't remember what song it was, but you did some Chet Atkins rendition of it. Yeah. Um. But yeah,
3: I even forget what it was. I, it was probably just Arkansas Traveler, Chet Atkins, and I just kind of sounded sounded Christmassy.
0: <laughs> maybe it was that. I don't know. I don't remember. I just you know, because I, was at I th-
3: also learned uh, Jingle Bell Rock.
0: that was was like trying trying to pick
3: him about rock like a like a travis style you know yeah (laughs) awesome
0: we got
1: to know though uh what's the what's the best t-rex song off of tanks
3: oh dude left hand luke left hand luke hell yeah (laughs) left hand luke dude i always every time i see cody like for the past like years i've always been like cody what's the best song on tanks when you like say something, I'll be like, "Nope, left hand."
0: <laughs> now, now, when you see him on uh on the um, on the thirteenth, on November thirteenth, you gotta be like, "Nope." <laughs> like once he if he gets it right, you gotta change it. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> it's funny, man. I always every time I see him, I always like remember that. Like just like I don't even know how that happened. I think it was just we were just laughing about something one time, and it just like stuck, and it was like so funny.
0: <laughs> that's beautiful yeah. Austin I've always loved like no matter what whenever we've crossed paths you have this like enthusiasm for so much so many beautiful things and like just even like you to me you'll point out two words that I would never have thought of fit together well or even you'll find the profoundness, profound something you'll find the, the something so profound out of something I wouldn't have thought about and then when you say it now I'm starting to think about it and like the enthusiasm being kind of like the the 35 milligram, uh, milligram uh, caffeinated spike for life, you know, and it's always hanging out and just being with you has always been like that and just finding all this profound beauty and things maybe I wouldn't have been um, – I wouldn't have seen. And uh, so, man, I appreciate you taking time to talk with us. Um, yes. Likewise. I had a great time coming. I almost feel like I'm
3: hanging out with you guys. Can't wait to see you
0: again. I know. It's going to be great. Likewise. So – much love, my friend. I miss you. I'm excited for the thirteenth, um, and I'm even more excited to see your the the film you're in, Springfish. Like, I, if out of all my friends, if any of them have been thrown into an acting bit, anyone who I think's gonna kill it would be you. So I'm I haven't seen it. Gabe's seen it a lot, too many times.
1: And, and Dave, you're in the film too. So I know, but you guys are kind of co-stars.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot this is our co-star film austin i love it
3: man it's <laughs> yeah. pretty and i like really really can't wait and uh if i could leave on two words of wisdom that i've been thinking about um one of them is just like a funny thing you know Tebs, uh steven tebbs carney the uh, steel player in, in town
0: okay
3: he, he's like one of my like i never had an older brother he, he never had a younger brother kind of thing but then uh it was um he was over at D's Country cocktail lounge the other night playing with Angela Purley and we got to just sit outside and it was like my like close like people that I know here and like tabs, they were like trying to give me like an intervention because I've been like, I was in this like kind of weird dark cloud like the past month, like going through like stuff. But then uh, they were like, you know, we're like worried about you. And it's is like, we we're, we we're talking about the uh, like how we need to, you know, keep moving forward as people, and uh Teb said Teb said the sins of emission and then I said, uh, yeah, the sins of emission will not pass e check. And we just like laughed so hard, we're like we're like, add that one to the book. That's beautiful.
1: That's great. So,
3: the sins of emission will not pass e check. But uh I, I thought it was funny, but uh that's just a stupid thing to say. But then also uh the other one is I've been really thinking about it is hope is the essence of all good men. And, uh, you know, good men and and women. But I read that in an Ethan Cannon book of short stories, like, about two months ago. And I was, like, really thinking about that. Like, hope is the essence of all good men. And, uh, you know, I'm very blessed to have a positive charge to, my, to myself. And I feel like uh, as, you know, we move along, we need to find people with those similar, you know, gratitude. And, like, they're very grounded in who they are and, like, their hope. For the future and they're you know like people who have a, have a good time when they go out and you know and that's kind of that's i don't know i'm just happy to be part of that and i try to try to do that and I, I also try to think about that a lot you know
0: i agree i agree with that and and you know hope's the thing with feathers um but also like uh yeah. i feel like while whilst you're doing that others see that and i know personally from knowing you That when I hang out with you, Austin, I always have a good time. And like you're in, like I was saying, you bring this enthusiasm, which is like the that's the caffeine of life, you know, like to be excited about two words fitting together for no reason, and that beauty is definitely shared. So like I'm one, I think not enough people find that for themselves, and we're all looking for that. And Mm -hmm. if you can see someone who who's also doing that, that kind of makes you self reflect a little and the yeah. fact that you're doing that and not only doing that but and like as an outside source i can say you you're inspiring others um it's hard for someone to really like say that for themselves but mm-hmm. i definitely think you're you're illuminating that light as well as trying to find it within yourself
3: yes yeah it'll
0: it'll, it'll probably take my whole life <laughs> it, it'll take all our whole lives but the more we yeah. do it the more the more we show that it can be done um yeah
3: absolutely. you know we're gonna all right man we're gonna we're gonna all be okay we got this uh, hopefully i could hopefully today i could share a little bit of my joy and my my journey thus thus far and just i'm very grateful for everything and i'm just excited uh about the future and i'm not excited about the musical releases of the future i'm just excited about the future man and like just i'm i feel very hopeful and you know it's i try to have a clear conscience we all should you know and say we're sorry and you know just go on you know it's pretty cool
0: oh so. well said my friend well austin i love you i'm excited to love see you on too. the on the on the 13th uh, All right. Gabe yes gave me final thoughts love you buddy can't wait to see you <laughs> love you too <laughs> and, uh, absolutely even
3: and gave and Gabe, my soul brothers and my clash friends because you yeah. never lose clash friends
1: <laughs> and commie's here with us too in the room in a bigger tank
3: oh awesome commie i love Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> cool guys well all right you guys have a beautiful time i'm gonna get uh hosed off and go to work here it's gonna be fun i'm gonna go play at the bar later so all
0: right beautiful my friend all right see you soon okay. see ya love you
3: see you soon love take ya. care now Peace. all right
0: winchester yeah
4: um he's obsessed with t-rex and for like the longest time For the longest time, I do have a couple good ones. So, for which is really just an extension of the one good one. For the longest time, wait, let me cue it up.
0: Let me cue it up. Here's the first good one. That
4: was stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, for the longest time, whenever I saw him, he would ask me. There's a T Rex record called Tanks, which is like one or two records after Electric Warrior which is like the main record that anyone cares about from t-rex but um there's an album called tanks and he would every time i'd see him he would ask me what the best song on tanks was which was a reference to a conversation that me and him had years ago where we talked about this and like i would every time i saw him i would forget what song he wanted me to say and, and i would be like uh uh